Hi there, uh, I'm Marcy Hamilton and I am the founder and CEO of Child USA, which is a national nonprofit think tank to end child abuse and neglect. We put together the best social science with the best legal analysis to get the best policies to help children. We are interested in ending child sex abuse, child abuse, uh, including both physical and emotional abuse, uh, and also child neglect, failure to feed, failure to educate, failure to provide medical treatment. This is what Child USA focuses on, and this is our podcast, A Voice for the Kids. It's time for children to be paid attention to. And what we at Child USA are doing is putting children at the policy decision table. Uh, and so I hope you enjoy these podcasts. Um, there were some of the leading experts and interesting thinkers in the country on the civil rights movement for children. Thanks. Welcome. Uh, we are so delighted uh, for this podcast to be speaking to two of the heroes in the United States because they are the ones who are the whistleblowers and who have let the rest of the world know that R. Kelly, uh, a mega, mega star, has in fact a history of sexually abusing girls. Uh, and it's all about the truth uh, on our podcast. And uh, these two have gone out of their way to let us know uh, what happened, but also really thoughtful about how to protect children. So we are delighted to have uh, Mary Mitchell with us. She is a Sun-Times columnist. Um, purportedly, she retired for a little bit, but uh, is back. And she has been covering in trenchant prose for t over 20 years, race relations and um, the protection of the vulnerable. And she has especially been really um, powerfully passionate about the way in which the music industry sexualizes girls and especially black girls um, and uh, has used her column to amplify the story about uh, R. Kelly. The man who broke the story about R. Kelly uh, is Jim Regattas. He is with us today as well. And Jim is also inspiring, a music critic, uh, a musician, uh, he says he's not a true music musician, but a drummer, but I, I think percussion counts. Uh, and he is both a teacher uh, as a uh, associate professor of instruction at the Department of English and Creative Writing at Columbia College in Chicago. Uh, he's a co-host of Sound Opinions, which uh, is uh, on uh, public radio, but also his um, podcast. And they do a weekly um, talk show about pop music. Um, so let's just be clear. Both of these people are much cooler than I am, but as we know, that doesn't take much. So thanks to both of you for being here. Is the heroine here, so... Uh, no, I'm not. And, uh, and I, who wants to hear from me? Uh, everybody guys. wants to hear from you. No. Mary, you kick us off. time for old white guys to sit down, shut up, and get the hell out of the way. But you know what? It's, it's, it's very, but it's very interesting that it takes, sometimes it takes old white guys to tell stories that nobody else is willing to tell. And that, that, that probably is what happened with uh, the R. Kelly issue, that no one wanted to tackle that issue. Nobody was going to stick their neck out that far. Uh, if you had been wrong, if you had not, if he had not been t uh, taken to court and hadn't been charged, you know, you would end up the villain. Yeah. yeah. Well, you I know? am, according to many people. You should see my hate mail. <laughs> well, I, I get hate mail too, but that that's, that goes with the job, you know. So, know. so sometimes, you know, it, it's the way uh, it has to happen, and that's kind of how the, how it happened with uh, R. Kelly. Yep. Yeah, you know, the um, all three of us, I think, got drawn into this arena of being worried about child children being sexually abused kind of by accident. I mean, this, this wasn't, you know, the when I went to law school, this wasn't the plan. 
Uh, and I know that both of you have distinguished careers that are not based in um, these particular issues. Uh, and so I have to say how much uh, I admire your jumping in when you didn't have to, right? I mean, right. honestly, both of you could have just said, well, you know, I have a commentary. I, I, that, that's what I do. I'm a critic. That's what I do. Mm -hmm. And I'll let someone else take care of this. So I really wanted to kick off by asking each of you, uh, and I'll start with Mary, uh, how, how, how did this enter your universe and how did it draw you into it? Well, I think, first of all, I think I've always had an interest in, I come from a large family and I have, uh, I was the oldest, so I'm definitely the type of person who wants to uh, protect. And in my job as a columnist, I kept running across stories of young black girls being sexualized. They were being sexualized in the movies. They've been sexualized in uh, hip hop music uh, industry and rap music. Uh, little girls were not allowed to be little girls. They were, they were um, sexualized. And I, I had a problem with that. And then you start hearing about older guys who were uh, uh, attracted to young girls like that was normal behavior. You know, the old guys sitting on a bench hollering at, uh, hollering out and shouting at a young girl's 13, 12, 14 years old. I started doing stories a social uh, justice issue stories where I was talking to girls and young young girls who were 14, 15 years old, and guess what? Their boyfriends were in their 20s. Yeah. And that was right. like, okay, and it was acceptable. They were having children, babies, by guys who were uh, much, much older, and statutory rape had gone out the window. Nobody even talked about statutory rape. And I started writing about that. So that's how I, was, I started writing about um, young girls and older guys. Then came along uh, Jim DeRogatis and his work on exposing uh, R. Kelly for his behavior with young girls. When he started writing about it, he caught a lot of criticism. He was right. He's a white guy writing about a black superstar and accusing this superstar basically being a pedophile okay mm -hmm. not that i gave him cover but that i i started writing columns that it, that really talked about hey we got to talk about this issue this exists this is not this is not hating on a black guy this is not trying to bring a black man down this is not just uh beating up on someone for no reason this is real it's happening in our community and we have to we have to deal with it so, so in a way, you had already set up the framework for to be able to have the conversation, right? Yes. That that there was this imbalance of power, this this ugly practice, which of course we find out goes on all over society, right? Um, and uh, and Jim's story hits exactly. His story hits, and as a columnist, he did the reporting. Abden Polish, his partner, they did the reporting, and I did the editorializing because that is not something that Jim nor Abden would do. It was on me, it really fell to me to say, hey, look at this, this is real, this is happening, this is not what you think, this is not a white man trying to bring a black man down. So, so Jim, you know, the, um, I, I listened to Solus, uh, the audio book, uh, well, amazing. That, that must've been tough. <laughs> yeah. well, it's a hard you know, in my universe, everybody wants to know when I'm going to start reading comic books. But, you know, <laughs> you got to stay caught up. Right. But um, it was so moving. And, um, and Jim, it seems like the turning point for you was that facts. And actually, it was, it was fun to read about the artifact of the facts. You yeah. know, facts is, we don't even get faxes anymore. No. <laughs> that, that crinkly yellow paper that's disintegrating. <laughs> it was awful. But, you know... I'm at this sometimes, Mary's a colleague, uh, Roger Ebert is doing all things movies, I'm doing all things pop music. I had been a beat and investigative reporter at the start of my career. I don't think any journalist worth her soul starts on the gig she dreams of having, covering the White House. They're gonna be lucky to cover Gary, Indiana City Council, right, mm -hmm. at the beginning. Right. 
but I had those skills and, and I got this fax in response to a record review. I had compared R. Kelly on his fifth album to Marvin Gaye and the fax said, uh, Marvin had his problems, but they were nothing like R. Kelly's. R. Kelly's problem is young girls. And I will confess, because Chicago is a racially divided city, a segregated city, when I wrote about hip-hop or R&B, I got a lot of mail from mm -hmm. thick-necked white guys telling me, don't write about that crap. Yeah. Um, and I thought this, I thought this was a player hater, <laughs> as they <laughs> said in the day. And I threw it, it was the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, 1999. I threw it in the slush pile destined for the garbage. And it haunted me that entire weekend because there was a level of specificity. I came back to the office Monday. I never, I made one weekly visit to the office. I came back to the office Monday and I made a call to the Chicago police department. They said there, the facts had said there had been an investigation ongoing for a year and a half. And it had a weird Polish sergeant's name, Chicago. I called, I asked the switchboard for this Polish sergeant, nobody here by that name. And I almost hung up. And then I said, look, is there any similar name? It was spelled wrong in, mm. in sex crimes. And the sergeant answered the phone and she said, uh, you know, sex crime, Chicago Police Department. I said, I'm from the Sun-Times. I'm calling about an investigation into R. Kelly. And she laughed and she said, oh, I, wonder, I wondered how long it would take. I can't talk wow. to you and hung up. And I went to the city editor. You know, I'm in the features department. I'm next to Denise O'Neill, Mary. Oh, wow. You know, she, she's calling the comic books and letters to the features department, right? right? And I'm like, I, I go into the newsroom, you know, and, I, and the, the pop music critic. And I said, I think there's something here. And the city editor, Don Hainer, paired me with the courts reporter. And we worked for six weeks, 14 hours a day, seven days a week for story number one which was right after Christmas, 19, right before Christmas, 1999. And I never thought I'd still be on that story 20 years later. But I think it's a horrible thing uh, when, when white people say, I didn't see race, because it's, it's BS. But we found high school yearbook pictures of some of these victims who had filed lawsuits, others uh, at, we heard about on the, and they had braces and they were in their volleyball uniforms and they were playing basketball and Kelly would come to the, see their high school basketball games. There were pictures in the student newspaper. And I just, you know, I had a, a daughter at that point was six. I just, you know, this is a child, you know, it happens to be a black child being victimized by a black superstar, but this needs to stop and and uh yeah it got complicated you know mary always in context i never said i could speak for black women or the black community neither did abdin mary could and mary was shouting i counted 36 columns in the first two years of this wretched story of mary saying to the black community wake up these are your daughters these are your, we know you love R. Kelly. Because you have to understand, he's loved worldwide. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, but in Chicago, to have come from the streets, you know. I mean, he was an, he was an example for many people of what success looked like. Yeah. And when you don't have a lot of successful celebrity models coming out of the city, you had Michael Jordan, of course, but I mean, when you don't have many, you want them all. You want to make sure that you just, they are, you admire them and somebody trying to uh, uh, drag them down, so to speak, that's not acceptable. And so for a lot of people, uh, the report, they didn't want to hear it. They didn't, right. they didn't want to hear it from me. And then the other thing is because they sexualize young girls at such an early, early age, uh, you had a lot of women, mothers and grandmothers who blamed the girls. Right. Who said if the girls who wasn't doing, if they weren't dressing that way, if they weren't acting that way, where was their mother? Where was their father? Where, you know, why are you blaming R. Kelly? He's just doing what other, what, what most men would do in that situation. It was terrible. It was terrible. This year, Child USA launched its first ever membership portal. The portal is a collection of books, videos, articles, and online resources, all intended to help survivors heal, learn, and build resiliency in their lives. It is the only library made for survivors and curated by CSA experts. Googling blindly for information on child sex abuse can be overwhelming and at the end of the day, unhelpful. So Child USA has done the research to locate the resources that will be the most helpful to you. 
Whether you are a survivor, a family member, or someone who works with children like a coach or a teacher, this is a place where you can browse, learn, and relax in peace. For just $25 a year, you can become a member now. Along with our curated resource lists, Portal members have access to exclusive content, including expert Q&As, featured art by survivors, and a video version of the podcast you're listening to right now. We hope you join us. Visit childusa.org slash members to sign up now. Thanks and enjoy the rest of the episode. So, so I actually grew up in Wheaton, Illinois, in the suburbs of Chicago. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I always like Chicago better than Wheaton, but that's another discussion. <laughs> um, but, uh, and I disagree with you, on, Jim, on pizza, but that's okay. You know, uh, we, 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 I, I grew up in Jersey City in Hoboken. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. It's hopeless. It's hopeless. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but um, Mary, could you describe um, for our listeners what kind of um, anger was thrown at you? Because now you are coming out against your community. That was very hard, and I had to, um, I really had to sit and check myself. I had to, I had to ground myself in what was right, you know? Uh, I had to say to myself, I had to say to myself that you have to keep going, you are right, you need to expose, this is something you have to stand up for, because if you don't stand up for it, who's gonna stand up for it? Who's gonna say, who's gonna say and challenge our Kelly? And, and, and believe me, even years, even now, even now, if you write something about R. Kelly, you're going to get a, a, a number of emails from women, mostly, who's going to call you out because you are working, now you're working against a black man with a white, with white America. You were trying to drag down a black man. It, it's a, it's a it, it was very, very hard. There were times when I'd go home and I would just, just ball up because yeah. the criticism and the being accused of being uh, Uncle Tom and being accused of, of working uh, uh, against uh, R. Kelly was very hard, but it had to be done. Well, I, and God bless you for doing it. I mean, uh, it, it, it sounds to me like this story needed both of you desperately uh, if we were ever going to really fully get it out there. Because, Jim, I, you also got major pushback, uh, I take it. Uh, and, uh, and I take it you still do. Um, well, there, there are protesters outside the Metropolitan Correction Center today, this morning, in Chicago. Federal detention. Uh, R. Kelly's been there since he was arrested more than a year ago. There are still protesters out there with free R. Kelly signs today. It's unbelievable. Um, But I don't like to talk about that. You know, it it makes for a story. It's it's two sentences in my book. Yeah, somebody shot out my front window. Yeah, I got phone calls. We know you have a six-year-old daughter, right? Mm -hmm. Compared to the courage of the women who spoke to me, uh, you know, coming forward and doing the hardest thing imaginable, tearing their soul out to expose their abuse by a, uh, a powerful, rich, beloved, uh, dangerous black man uh, talking to a fat white rock critic. You know, I was more excited. I wanted to write about the Liz Fair album. I would like to talk to you about the brilliance controversial of Megan Thee Stallion and Cardi B's WAP today. You know, I wrote about music. Um, <laughs> but when you're a journalist, uh, sometimes you choose your stories and sometimes they choose you. And I exactly. think it was uh, my mother uh, instilled in me, single mom, raised me, you know, lower middle class Jersey City. I saw, I learned feminism through my mom. I mean, she wasn't a strong woman, she was a strong person, you know. And and I had, you know, those those values and, and uh, I had her stubbornness. I was not gonna let go of this as long as that phone kept ringing. Uh, sometimes, on New Year's Eve in the middle of the night, sometimes on Christmas morning. You know, uh, Mr. D. Rogatis, <laughs> I always got the name wrong. Uh, I, I, I followed your work. Uh, I know you can be trusted. I've been heard. Will you listen to me? And I don't think, you know, forget about being a journalist. I don't think you're a human being if you uh, get a call like that and you don't take it. Mary and I have also been educators. You know, if a student says that, if, if a neighbor, if, if, if somebody stops you on the street, what kind of a person are you? Plus, I think, it, and I think you can understand this, uh, 
I think it's very, it was very, very difficult for girls or and when they become women to, to, to speak to someone else about their abuse. Yeah. That's not an easy thing to do. I mean, yeah. and, and especially if you talk about a celebrity because the celebrity is going to turn it into a shakedown. Here, here they are, here they're coming years later and trying to shake me down for money about blah, blah, blah. As if the relationship could ever be consensual. And it didn't matter how, how much information Jim put out there. It didn't matter that he put all the information out about Aaliyah. It didn't matter that all these lawsuits, he could tie them all together and connect the dots. It didn't matter. It didn't matter that uh, people had poured their hearts out to him that really didn't matter because the community didn't want to hear it. Mm -hmm. The community didn't want to believe it. It was almost like this was one big conspiracy theory against R. Kelly. And it is, it, it, it really, I, I know Jim feels vindicated. I feel vindicated that now, right now, we are back at that same place. He's being held accountable. Mm -hmm. For we, these actions, which it didn't have to happen if the first time around, if they had been able to prove their case against him. So are you hearing or, or do you know of how this has been a seed that's then gone on to empower other victims in other circumstances? Uh, you know, the, the person that asked me the question at, at, at Darkness of Light was basically saying, uh, everybody's ignoring us. Uh, if we're people of color, nobody talks about sex abuse. Okay, but 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 I would say that it did make a difference because uh, you got the campaign of Mute R. Kelly. Yeah. I mean, a lot, up until that time, there was no Mute R. Kelly campaign. There was no one, these are two young uh, African-American women who have gone across the country nationwide and did what needed to be done way back then. And that is, hey, we're not going to accept it. We're boycotting the music. We're going we're gonna, to uh, go to the radio stations. We're going to go to the recording stations. We are going to follow him wherever he goes. We're going to be right there to say, this is not acceptable. And so I think it has made a huge difference because we didn't have that, what, 20 years ago. No. That wouldn't have happened 20 years ago, right? You know, again, I can't speak for the black community. I can't speak for black women. Uh, mm -hmm. The overwhelming response from the hundred or so sources I've had, I mean, I laugh because, my God, a hundred people I've spoken to in 20 years who've been victimized, um, they all say this is too little too late and it remains to be seen. I mean, we're about to enter a period of a couple of weeks where the first uh, African-American woman uh, is running for vice president of the United States. What kind of hellish stuff is going to be thrown at her? You know, I think to be a black woman in America today is even worse than being a black man. We are paying a lot of attention to the man who got shot seven times in the back and to George Floyd. There are people arrested in those cases. There's nobody arrested for Breonna Taylor. You know, I, I, I just see the journalist's role, and this is a line I'm stealing from Mary, because Mary is a heroine. You know, I mean, we, we are there to provide a voice for the voiceless. And when yes, all these black women are telling me nobody matters less in our society than young black women, uh, wow, I think you gotta listen to that. And, and so, so how do we help them? What, what else needs to be done in your view, Mary? Um, to empower the victims to come forward and, and to be supported? Well, first of all, it's the come forward part. You have to provide a safe space yep. for them to come forward. That's number one. And number two, they have to have resources to deal with the trauma that they have experienced and they have lived through. You can't tell stories like that. You can't reveal that much about yourself and not have any resources to help you cope. You need to understand that the behaviors, maybe there, there are things in your life that's going on that you don't even know why it's happening to you, okay? And then a professional can sit down and connect those dots for you. And so you can't expect women to come forward without them having the, the resources and having the help to deal with the trauma. Right. We're, li we're, we're living in a complicated time. Um, I think that the surviving R. Kelly, all 11 hours of it, over two seasons, 
uh, did something powerful in giving these women a platform. You know, I'm sitting with these women. Mary sat with many women for years and years and years, but we're doing it in a little cubicle in the Sun Times, okay? And now these women, you're, you're meeting them in your living room. But not all of them came out for the better uh, from such, such public exposure. Uh, I think giving them a platform to be heard, uh, but it also has to be a platform that is sensitive uh, right. because, wow, uh, suddenly you, you're in the middle of a whole new meat grinder that is as potentially damaging as the abuse you suffered in the first place. Right, yeah. but there are so many, there were so many women, there were so many women who maybe, uh, if they didn't share their stories, that they connected to that story. They, yes. they, these were women who had been victimized by celebrity, but what about the uncle? Or right. what about the cousin? Or what about people that you have to sit across to Thanksgiving dinner and Christmas dinner with and they abuse you and you have never ever been able to talk about that. Those women saw surviving R. Kelly and they saw uh, people who, they were empowered to think I can, I can, I can get through this now. And then yeah. there were women who looked at surviving R. Kelly and no matter how much we wrote about it and how much we talked about it and how many women uh, Jim interviewed, and how many stories we put out there and how many columns I wrote until it was on that video screen, until they could see it and it was streaming live in their living room, it didn't connect with them. And but, yeah. but yeah. that video connected with a lot of people. On October 22nd, join Child USA for our fourth annual awards ceremony. This year, the event will be 100% virtual, but that doesn't mean that it won't be a night to remember. With your ticket purchase, a fun, festively wrapped party box will be delivered to your address to enhance your live viewing experience. The party box includes an artisanal charcuterie spread, handcrafted chocolates, an exclusive Child USA stemless wine glass, and much more. Join us for this inspiring and uplifting event from wherever you are in the world as we honor a handful of heroes who have made strides in the arena of child protection. Visit childusa.org slash annual event 2020 to get your tickets now. That's childusa.org slash annual event 2020. Thanks and enjoy the rest of the episode. Yeah. Isn't it amazing? Uh, you know, the documentary. The power of it. <laughs> Oh, yeah. wow. I know. So powerful. You know, I, mean, I teach at the intersection of law, religion, and politics. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I need, a, I need a documentary every week <laughs> to be able to fully give everybody what they need to talk about. You can't just read it. I know. You got to see it. And, and you got you to, the emotions came through and they were raw. Yeah. They were raw emotions. And, and women got that. And I think that really had helped push the cause forward to having something done. That having been said, I will tell you as a lawyer, uh, in the headsets of the producers who interviewed me and Mary and everybody else are a team of lawyers for Bunham Murray, the same producers who brought us the real world, which isn't that part of the problem, and Lifetime, uh, telling which questions to ask and which not to ask and which pieces of material that never should make it toward TV. So okay. I think that the two federal trials we're about to see they're not gonna start anytime soon. In Chicago and in Brooklyn, the state of Illinois trial and the Minnesota trial and possibly a Detroit trial if those charges are ever brought. I mean, the level of detail is, is horrifying. And without the old fashioned uh, walking on the street reporter like me and Mary with the notebook, working 80 hours a week and <laughs> less than we did when we started 30, 40 years ago, you know, um, those TV things don't happen. So, and that's all inside media stuff. What we really are talking about being needed is, is a, a, a change in this country where women are listened to and believed. And, uh, you know, and here we are sitting and, you know, I thought when Nirvana was on top of the charts that it was an outrage that Clarence Thomas would sit on the Supreme Court despite, despite what Dr. Anita Hill had said, mm -hmm. you know. And here we are, and it ain't that long ago that uh, Dr. Christine Blasey Ford uh, did this horrible thing of pouring out her soul in full view of the world. And who's sitting on the Supreme Court? It's Brett Kavanaugh. You know, so Me Too and Mute R. Kelly and the many movements we're seeing are making progress, but boy, the fight ain't done. So, you know, 
I'm always looking for what's the institution that is, is fomenting the problem. And I, what about the music industry here? Aren't they part and parcel of this? Yeah. I, I'm um, going to leave that to Jim. It's <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> it's disgusting. It really is disgusting. You know, the, the, the kind of music that we hear blaring from the radio. I have a 13-year-old uh, granddaughter, and really we can't, it's, we have to be very careful and monitor what she's listening to because it's just filling our head with garbage, a lot of the stuff that's out there. And the music industry has never been held accountable. It's been, you know, we've not been able to uh, uh, stop the um, sexualization of, of young girls, and especially young black girls. Yep. I think the Me Too reckoning in the music industry is uh, even more way overdue than in Hollywood and the film industry. Uh, I mean, part of it is there is a liberating power to music. I mean, I'm saying this with all of my favorite albums tattooed up and down my arms, okay? <laughs> and, you know, I think certainly I'm no prude. I, I am in favor of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. You know, do what thou will is the whole of the law, so long as ye shall harm none, Led Zeppelin said, quoting Aleister Crowley. Um, you know, I can, I can give, I will give a lecture in a couple of weeks on blues and we'll talk about uh, Coco Taylor and we'll talk about Wang Dang Doodle. She wanted a Wang Dang Doodle all night long, okay? Right. And that is a, a female talking about her sexuality and she is in charge and in power. And I hear Cardi B doing the same thing. That's different than the exploitation that Mary was talking about. Right. But the industry, rather than derail a cash cow, will actually enable and help in the trafficking of uh, young women to keep a male superstar satisfied. And meanwhile, victimized female, I mean, Britney Spears was at, at one moment the best-selling female artist in the world. And, you know, in at that time, she is twice institutionalized by the state of California. Twice her children are taken away from her. She is melting down in full view of the world, and nobody is helping, Not nobody on her team, not her mother and her lawyers and her family and the record company and the producers and the radio and MTV. Nobody's saying, oh, gee, maybe we shouldn't watch you kill yourself yeah so so the victimization is is horrible but but you know what i was driving down the street the other day and uh Aaliyah's record rock the boat came on and yeah. i could not imagine i was like was she was like 15 years old or something like she that when 15. that came out yes how could you allow a 15 year old really even to deal with that theme in music it's right. just it's, it's it's like we have abandoned all morality when it comes to these young girls in, uh, and I'm talking about the music industry, what is, what, what is um, exploited? They're exploiting their youth and they're, using, they're letting them uh, use sexuality to sell music. Now right. that's okay for an adult and that's okay for a grown-up, but, but for the artist to be a child, then you reinforce the notion that this is okay. No, well, yeah, I mean, you know, Britney Spears went from the Disney machine, literally the new Mickey Mouse Club, to getting a boob job, to singing, I will be a slave for you. Right. You know, it's, yeah, it's, that's horrible. I mean, you know, me, personally, as a music critic, give me Patti Smith, give me X-Ray Specs, give me Savages, give me strong women who ain't going to put up with no goddamn shit from nobody. Mm -hmm. You know, but that's, that's me. That's what I played for my daughter. <laughs> I love it. Well, but... So, so let's think about, so R. Kelly eventually will go to trial. I mean, you know, the, the courts are backed up, but thank God they're pushing the criminal cases ahead of the civil cases. So he should be going to trial. Um, I take it the evidence is overwhelming so that, uh, because if he were to be found not guilty, if he were to be acquitted by a jury, um, that would be pretty devastating. As he was in 2008. Right, and you don't know, you can't, you, you can never say what a jury will do and will not do. I mean, you might think you have all the evidence. I mean, I think now they have so many cases and so much uh, evidence out there that it's gonna, he's going to get convicted of something, but it may not be convicted of all the charges that are out there. I don't right. think that's gonna happen. Right. Well, I think the thing that's fascinating, since you're a lawyer again, um, 
you know, there have been scattered people uh, in film and in music who have been charged with RICO statutes, but he is the biggest name with the most charges, being, being charged as the head of a criminal enterprise that trafficked young women and silenced with threats or bribery or, or physical violence uh, any witnesses. I mean, he's being tried as if he were John Gotti, the head of a crime family, or one of the Colombian cartels. And that's a first. Because in popular music, you know, way before Frank Sinatra, up to last week, you have a lot of men who treated women very badly, but nobody that I'm aware of as a musical historian in the history of popular music has had as many charges as him. But see now, Jim, that, that it, the, but I'm worried about that could even, in, term, in terms of the court of public opinion, I'm worried about that can, can also backfire, that it would be seen, especially in the African-American community, is overcharging. As if, you know, he, now they're gonna bring, they're not, not, not gonna just charge him, they're gonna throw everything at him and hope something sticks. So yeah, I'm, worried human, that, I'm concerned beings. about that. There's human beings behind everything, Mary. When we hear mothers say, I was threatened with physical violence if I spoke out about my daughter's victimization. When we hear those girls say, I got, I got $10,000. I thought it was more money than the world that I was with him servicing him and being beaten by him for mm -hmm. two years. I, I, that's, that's the thing. I think, I think the stories that we are going to hear, and uh, they're going to be salacious. They're going to be stomach churning. You and me have been hearing these stories for 20 years. Right. And just the whiff of a scent of a fe the federal agents who aren't supposed to talk to me, telling me about what's going to come out. Mm -hmm. um, he, you know, I hope he takes a plea that puts him behind right. jail forever because I don't want to hear those stories, Mary. And they're right. going to connect with you and me because we know some of those faces. Right. Well, if, if, if you want to talk about disparate treatment from the federal government, look at going after R. Kelly, which yeah. is totally legitimate and should happen. And we do need those facts. It's mm -hmm. only the facts that get everybody to stop being defensive and to start saying, oh, oh, we do have a problem. Um, but you'll notice the federal government has not yet filed a criminal charge against anybody in the Catholic Church for an orchestrated cover-up of child sex abuse of massive proportions. Yeah, and they only got dragged unwillingly into Jeffrey Epstein pretty late in the game. It's but, you know, the, the, the feds, the day that he was indicted in 2002, and it took six years to go to trial, R. Kelly, in 2008, I posed a question along with Abdon Palish at the press conference. That videotape for which he was indicted, 26 minutes and 39 seconds of him victimizing a 14-year-old girl, um, you know, that, that tape was for sale on street corners nationally. Why isn't this a federal case? Right. We asked that question. That's true. We asked that question on day one of the indictment. And partly you had a really aggressive uh, U.S. prosecutor at the time in Chicago, Patrick Fitzgerald. You had a politician who didn't want to let leave his office. This was going to be his claim to fame. Of course, he didn't think it would take six years and he'd lose Dick Devine. <laughs> Fuck Dick Devine, fuck the judge, Vincent Cohen. There are so many people, getting back to the question earlier, you know, uh, the systemat systemically in Chicago, the churches failed these girls because you have Reverend Jesse Jackson and James Meeks of Rainbow Push trucking in kindergartners in t-shirts that said free R. Kelly to his court appearances and oh. taking money from him to be his spiritual advisor. Churches failed. The schools failed. There are half a dozen uh, high schools uh, that would allow him to come and visit regularly. Uh, most of the media failed because it was me, Mary, and Abdon Palish, and then nobody else in Chicago at the Tribune, nobody nationally, Rolling Stone. Uh, you had the courts fail because they let him off. You had, you had some good cops, and they were white. Not a lot of them. You had a lot of other black cops who worked part-time security for Kelly. But the cops- And knew what was going on. And, and knew what was going, was going on. on. Right. But that Polish sergeant and the two or three others, uh, they stayed on it for three years and they eventually got it. Uh, and then they lost. And their careers were done. You know, the prosecutors who tried the case, the investigators who accumulated the, they all left. That, that day of that acquittal, it was a bad day for me, it was a bad day for Mary, but that day of the acquittal ended a lot of people thinking justice doesn't exist. And, uh, you know, and then I've talked to those people for the book since, and, you know, here we are 20 years later, and they say the same thing the victims say to me. Yeah, 
I'm glad he's in jail, but boy, is this too little too late. So now, uh, so, you know, what is, what's the future, right? What, what's the, so let's, let's assume R. Kelly is going to be convicted. Okay. Uh, you know, and, and my big beef with, uh, the Me Too movement is it persuades people to come forward. And like Mary said, you can't come forward unless you have therapy and support and resources because you get eaten up alive. Uh, and, and they need access to justice. They need the ability to be, have power against their perpetrators. But let's say R. Kelly gets convicted. Um, is, does that mean we're going to hear from more victims of R. Kelly? Are there more out there to come forward? In 20 years, I, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure there might be more victims. Uh, but I'm also thinking that if he is convicted, then will that mean other people, I'm not talking about the victims of R. Kelly, but they're victims of other, there are other celebrities out there. I don't believe for one moment R. Kelly is the only person that was doing these kinds of things. Not in, in, in Hollywood and in the music industry. There are definitely, uh, I think, other people who are predators, other men who are preying on young girls. What about them? Yeah. You know, would this lead, I think the question is, would this lead to a reckoning for them and not just for R. Kelly? So, so isn't part of the problem is the pushback from the community? And, and once again, I'm going to compare this in the Catholic cases, right? So Catholic victims come, come forward and the Catholic community tells them to shut up, that priests are good, that bishops are good. This still happens in Philadelphia, by the way. I, mean, I can they, believe that, right, right. Uh, I mean, it, 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 that's still going on, shaming the victims, which is exactly what you're talking about. Uh, so you know, how do we change the culture so that when they come forward, we say, oh, I'm going to listen to you um, because it's better for our culture, all of us, if we figure out what the truth is. Is that, is that on the horizon or do we have a long way till that? Honestly, I think we have a long way to get there. I think this is like a small step in that direction but I think there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on in the African-American community where this is, if you were to put it on a list of things, what are you concerned about? This will be way down the list because people do not see the connection between uh, the suffering and the trauma and the conditions that a lot of communities are in. They don't connect that to this kind of behavior. They don't connect it to the fact that there are uh, uh, girls who have not been allowed to grow up whole, to grow up, you know, with their with their uh, sexuality intact. That what that means. That, that that means that many of them are become drug addicts. Many of them become involved in uh, 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 poor relationships and domestic violent relationships, where they are victimized over again. Uh, we have not made those. We have not connected those those dots. And so I think we. I think this is a tiny step. But I, I think we got a really long way to go. So, I'm, so really, I'm slightly, slightly more optimistic. Let me give you some optimism. Thank I've been, you. I've been teaching at Columbia College Chicago for 12 years. In a couple of weeks, I have my three uh, first-year student classes uh, in music and media in Chicago, 350 uh, kids, 18, okay? The attitudes I see uh, among my students for the last couple of years uh, let's say since uh, November 2016, is uh, there is partly some PTSD. Uh, oh my God, uh, the world sucks today. And now more than ever with COVID. But also there is a, I am taken to the barricades. You will not disrespect me. I am me too. I am Black Lives Matter. I am save the fucking world because it's melting right now. California's on fire. We had a worse hurricane than we've ever had. Uh, get, get, get banned quicker than ever because of global warming. They're out there, Mary, 18 to 22. And they are not going to put up. Now, will they vote on November 3rd? We will right. find out. I hope so. I really hope so. But that's where the, you know, those attitudes. But, but, but yeah, those attitudes are fine, but they're listening to the crap on the radio. <laughs> the music is blaring up and down my neighborhood. That yes, is just foul and filthy. Okay. 
They are, so if they can practice what they preach, right on. I'm not sure that they're, again, I, I'm not. Thank you for that dose of optimism, but I'm just not sure we are there. I want to see, I want to see the fruits of the Me Too movement. Yeah, I, I, wanna, I know. Yeah, and I, I want to see Kamala, the fruits. Kamala Harris and Joe Biden walked out to Curtis Mayfield's Move On Up. All right. Okay. And none of my kids know who the hell Curtis Mayfield was. I'm going to educate them. <laughs> they know that Kanye sampled it. And let's not talk about how messed up he is. But they know that's the Kanye riff. All right. Mary, there's hope, Mary. Oh, well, there's no, hope. no, 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 no. Okay. All right. I'm going to give you one more. All right. So, this is, so, this is what we used to argue about music, Mary and I. Yes, and now we're arguing about what's one the indictment more. enough. You know. I, I'm going to say one, I'm going to say one thing, Cardi B, Cardi yeah. B and WAP. I'm like, what are y'all talking about? It took my, my, my older daughter and she's yeah. not that old, but she's a millennial to yeah. tell me what all that was about. I could not believe. I know, but we had 70 years, Mary, of men bragging about their big King Cobra snake in their I pants. I and now we got I one woman. I, I, I got a... You know what, Mary? Uh, I think the sexuality <laughs> is is oversold <laughs> and exploited. And if we want to, if we want to move forward, we got to give these young young women, these girls, because we're talking about people listening to that stuff. It's not even my millennial do daughter. It is young girls to give them something more to value than what they think their their sexual parts are. That there's more to them than their sexual parts. There's more to them. Uh, than, you know, sex. And I, I don't think that, that selling that and exploiting that is the way we want to go and it's going to get us where we need to be. And that is respecting all humanity, respecting yeah. female and male humanity. Well, and, you know, the, the only thing that works in the United States to stop these institutions like the music industry mm -hmm. from doing the wrong thing with respect to children is to sue them. Um, frankly, for their responsibility for what they're doing. And so for the ones that have been complicit in handing these girls over, in promoting these girls, in letting these girls be at risk, they are increasingly at risk because we're increasing the rights of children, we're increasing the rights of victims. That, for me, is where this is going to have to go because yeah. the powers that be right now, they don't, they don't really care about children unless they're forced to. But there's not really anybody left to sue. Old <laughs> Hollywood is not going to survive the COVID shutdown. And so the sort of companies uh, that enabled Harvey Weinstein are gone. The record companies that enabled R. Kelly are gone. Nobody's buying mm -hmm. physical music product anymore. We all stream it for free. The world is changing. Uh, these villains are in different places now. I mean, you don't think they're at Facebook? We sure oh. know they are. Okay, right, right. there's different, you know, but but you're right. I mean, the weapon is shut them down economically. You know, and Mary and I were just journalists, underpaid, overworked. We we can scream about it. Everybody else, uh, you know, doesn't have to work as hard as us. Just don't spend your money on places that are being proven to exploit young women. Right, right, and that, that's how you address it. Period. Because I think that exploiting young women that we see. Uh, the celebrities doing, they've been exploited by gang members. Yeah. They've been exploited by relatives. Greece. I mean, yes, yeah. they're being exploited uh, just in so many different areas. And I think that if you can, if we can get the message across that, that you are destroying the future of your own community when you allow this to happen to your girls, when you allow this to happen to, even for the people who are, who become predators. I mean, think about the, how many young boys who've learned this behavior and have witnessed this behavior, then go on to uh, perpetrate this behavior on a relative. They end up being uh, a sexual offenders for the rest of their lives. I mean, we're in, a, we're in a bad spot here. I don't think sometimes we know how bad it is. I agree. Well, and we also have the problem of uh, some of the uh, perpetrators are going after boys too. That yeah, too. And, uh, we don't we don't want to leave them out because that that is part of it. It's I mean, and, and Jim, you talked about it in your book. I mean, the, what you unfolded about R. Kelly's upbringing yeah. and what happened to him. I mean, it really feeds into this whole notion that 
uh, and it's not a notion, I mean, the studies have shown this, that people who are, who are victimized can end up being the predator. Right. Yeah. He's horribly victimized. I mean, Jim, what you report shows that he was in a lawless situation. He was a victim mm-hmm. of statutory rape. Right. Then went on, and uh, and although the majority of victims of, of child sex abuse do not do that, that's a classic exa- example of when it does happen. Right. But but one thing that Me Too is accomplishing, you had surviving R. Kelly, you had mm-hmm. surviving Jeffrey Epstein now, we're seeing Harvey Weinstein pillory. We're wondering if we could really enjoy a, a Woody Allen movie anymore. Um, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh, some of these people who would become victimizers are thinking, I ain't going to get away with this. Right. No. I hope so. I, I hope so. I hope so. I mean, it's, no. it's getting so I can't go to, I can't watch any movies. I mean, forget, I don't even need streaming anymore. I'm not watching <laughs> I mean, I just let me give you the Oh, list. that was, oh God. Don't, don't, we don't even want to go there. That's just horrible. I know. I know. So, and well, I can't- Let the professor give you his, his tool. When Please. my students ask me, how do I separate the art and the artist? I say, you really can't. But a good dividing line is when the art is about the crimes. And thankfully, that is not that frequent. Uh, you can still enjoy, you know, Marvin Gaye was a troubled man. Marvin Gaye's music is brilliant and timeless, and Mary and I would agree, we don't want to tune that out, okay? Right. He's yeah. not singing about uh, some of the, the worst things he did in his life. Yeah. Woody Allen, I, I can watch Midnight in Paris. He's not in it. That helps. I'll never watch Manhattan again. It's about a 45-year-old comic uh, preying on a high school girl. Um, you know, so, so that's where, you know, uh, I, Michael Jackson's catalog is great. The last two albums are full of protestations of his innocence. I ain't given up the Jackson 5. I ain't given up uh, uh, Thriller, you know, mm-hmm. but the last two, no. You know, so, so think about that. When the art is about the behavior, uh, we absolutely must cancel it. And, and that's not a free speech issue. Yeah. And that's what Mary's saying, too. I mean, I think that, that's, a, that's a great place for us to close, which is you can't reward the ones who are hurting the kids. Uh, <laughs> And bragging about it in art. Right, right, and taking advantage of them. So I want to thank you both um, for all you're doing, but also for this amazing conversation. Um, And also, um, I just want to say, I hope that we really can see uh, a brighter future sooner rather than later. And and maybe we can figure out how to teach about trauma. And uh, it's ruining communities. Yes, it is. Everywhere. Well, that's that's. Thank you for what you're doing with your group. We're trying. We're trying. We're getting there. Thank you very much. Thank you.